Welcome back, lady listeners, for the second installment of Sugar Sweet Sticky Buns by Cameron Claire. Thanks so much for joining us again on this Thursday's episode. Um, I just feel like my brain is so full of things I want to talk to you about. I know. I have the weirdest <laughs> notes. You know what notes say on here? Yeah. I literally wrote four notes. That's what they say. Soraside, Hobby Lobby, Water Sports. Devil's captive. That's what <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go back and start at the beginning. Sora, what? It sounds like a okay, dinosaur. So I learned this. I've been watching this um, crime show, interrogations, okay. where they do like mm-hmm. full interrogations. Oh, that's the thing you sent me today. Is that that's the one, right? Um, that's not the one I watch mm. all the time. Um, okay, but that one was just interesting. The yeah. guy was funny or something. Oh, it was. That was the one where he they was doing the psychology it. behind it. Yeah. Yeah. It was explaining the, I sent it to you because it was explaining why we like anti-heroes. And yeah. The difference between an anti-hero and a villain. Mm-hmm. But I've been watching these crime documentaries and the one I watch, um, I should pull up its name, but they have like a therapist, a psychologist, a CIA person mm. go through these interrogations. Mm-hmm. So they like, they'll pause the footage and they'll tell you what's about to come. And they show you like, they're like, this is what the cop is doing. And this is why they're doing it. And this is why they're going to get this person to do this. And they just show you, this is what's faking being crazy and all that stuff. But one of the things on there was, Suicide. I found it interesting. It's to kill one sister. What? And so they were talked about a case of it where they had it. And they mm-hmm. said it is extremely, extremely rare. Like okay. one of the rarest things for one to kill the sister. Really? Which I found fascinating. I found it reason. fascinating too, because I could have cut my bitch a couple I know. of times. I, I literally <laughs> If I had to guess one person that was going to kill me, it would be my sister. <laughs> you know but what, Mel? Said, if I was going to bet one person would kill you, it'd be her too. <laughs> it would be something related to her. I was like, but whatever. I was like, so I started looking into it and they're, they're talking about it. They explain what it is. Cause I've never even heard the word. Yeah, and, um, they said the only time it ever really happens is, because defending one's family like because you have tainted the name but it's extremely rare and then once they said it i started realizing it like when i started watching more interrogations Mm -hmm. the the family they would skip killing the sister oh that's weird and i was like he didn't kill the sister he thought about it but he's Mm -hmm. like oh i decided not to kill my sister i decided not Mm -hmm. to kill my sister i was like this, people are really deciding not to kill the sister. <laughs> and I yeah. think a part of it is when I started trying to really think about it, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm going to say this. Not everybody who comes from abusive families abuses. That's, But a yeah. lot of times yeah. people who are abusers did come from abusive families. And I mm-hmm. wondered if these people who snap mm-hmm. that came from abusive families generally when a parents are not there and there's a sister... Mm-hmm. she steps up 
Yeah, I could see that. Okay. So if you come from maybe a broken, effed up parent life and you had mm -hmm. a sister, there's a probably a high likelihood that she stepped up to the plate mm -hmm. for you in some way. Yeah, like maybe they feel a sense of like kinship to that person, like that in a person. way of like you sort of suffered that same abuse, you know? Yeah. I was like, that's the only thing I can really mm -hmm. think of. Why is everybody sparing the sister? That's so strange. Yeah, I never really thought about that. There's got to be something where it's like a shared victim mentality, maybe too, that like they're a victim the brother. of this. Yeah, that's true. Not the sister. Huh. And then I also realized another thing. <laughs> it was like everybody, the Hobby Lobby thing. Because I was sitting there and I was like, everybody's going to Walmart. Why do you go to Walmart and then kill somebody? Or why do you kill somebody and then go to Walmart? I'm like, stop going to fucking Walmart, guys. Every time I hear Walmart, I'm like, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Great. Now everybody's going to die it's literally now. the cops go to Walmart if after a murder. Mm -hmm. They're like, where's the closest Walmart? We go check? No, I'm not even joking. Oh, my and God. Like, it's like crime solved. And I'm like, and in my head instantly, I was like, why is everybody going to uh, Walmart? Why wouldn't you go to Hobby Lobby? They don't even got fucking cameras. Really? No. They don't have cameras? On the cash register. Oh, well. That's it. Wear a hat. But they don't have cameras inside of Hobby Lobby. And I bet you everything you want to kill somebody with, if you needed to kill Kit, you would give them Hobby Lobby. You Cleaning supplies, saws, tarps, painting shit. You know, that's not a bad idea. Now why you're going to just start educating Walmart? people. That's I literally, I was like, why does people keep going to fucking Walmart? Go to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> so that's nobody's, what they do. They go to Walmart and get the supplies. Your, nobody's going to think of Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Let's yeah. check the Hobby Lobby footage now. They're going to be like, the gas station, the Target. The mm -hmm. They're not checking Hobby Lobby. Well, like once you they now. can't even check Hobby Lobby. Now you gave them away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling other women what to do if they got to. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Shit. Okay, this is for the ladies. For the ladies, <laughs> big tip right here, guys. Hobby if lobby. you're going to kill your husband, go to Hobby Lobby first. Get your <laughs> killing supplies. Get your kill kit from the Hobby Lobby, from the Jesus people. <laughs> What's the other thing on your list? You had one more. Did I? Oh, The Devil's Captive. That was the only like real book I read. <laughs> what is that? That was Celia Aaron's book that she made me read. Oh, Celia, okay. Celia, I've probably mentioned her a few mm -hmm. times. We have a love-hate relationship with her books, me mm -hmm. and her. Sometimes I really love them. Sometimes I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> and so she was like, just read this one. And I'm reading it. And I'm like 30% and I was like, I fucking hate him. <laughs> and I fucking hate you too. <laughs> and she was like, just keep going. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I was like, oh my God, okay. Because you think he's a real asshole, which he is. Yeah. But then you start going back years in his mind and finding out other things. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. He's been obsessed. So, <laughs> it makes sense then. Yeah. I really ended up enjoying it. So if you're thinking about that one, you're on the fence, go ahead, push past the beginning because you're mm -hmm. going to hate him at first. And then you're going to be like, oh, shit. And everything mm -hmm. slides right through. Didn't we have it on the podcast? No, she just wrote this one. Oh, okay. She wrote it like okay. a few months ago. We had we had a book on the podcast from her, but maybe it's that Christmas book we did. Maybe. We had a Christmas book from her. On the she podcast. hadn't released the mm -hmm. Cillian Arium book in a long time. Mm -hmm. a this long was like time. Christmas in Black something. 
Blackwood or whatever. Blackwood, Blackstone, something like Blackstone, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yep, you're right. Mm hmm. But um, so yeah, if you want to listen to an audiobook by her, you can go grab that one. It's Christmassy, but go for it. Nobody's going to shame you over here, okay? You can read Christmas okay. all year long. Um, one of the books that I'm listening to right now, I have had, and I cannot remember the content creator that, um, or the book blogger that recommended it, but, um, I've had, I bought it forever ago, the audio. And so what I'm trying to do this year is listen to all the audios I've purchased and have not listened to yet. So it's called Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall, M-I-K-K-I, Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L. And so far it's really, really interesting and it's a different perspective on feminism because it's, you know, written by a black woman and it's, you know, her, um, her experience of feminism and why there are things that are inherently, you know, um, from the black experience that should be feminism for everyone that aren't really considered. Like she talks about how gun control should be a feminist issue because women are killed by guns. And she was like, and black women are, you know, and she gives statistics and I don't want to, you know, misquote or anything like that, but that black women are more often than not are the ones that are killed, you know, by their partner that are, you know, killed by guns. And so that's why she's like, you know, these are, that's something that should be a feminist issue. And it's not, you know, people think it's, you know, uh, it's this thing in this. And, and, and she has just a great way of explaining it to where you can understand it. It's not overly stated she's a great writer and she's the one that's narrating the book. So she gives it such a great voice. Mm -hmm. And she also talks about how, um, where I'm at right now, she's discussing, um, you know, uh, like food shortages, like, you know, being like not having enough food and how, um, food insecurities is what she calls it. So like having food insecurities is really a feminist issue because of, you know, the, the women that, you know, sort of own this, responsibility and the children and have to do this and and so like there's just a lot of it a lot of things are in that way that I never really considered before so it's been really really eye-opening and um like I said you know she just talks about how um you know the feminist movement and how it began and where it really began for black women and and their you know their views on it and it's just something I never really stopped to think about so I'm really glad that I got this book and I'm really glad that I'm listening to it now. And I just hope that, you know, by listening to these kind of stories and to listen, listening to black women tell these stories that I'm able to just gain perspective, you know, on my own privilege and how I use feminine, you know, being a feminist and the best way to do it, I guess. So, you know, if that's what, if you, this year, if you want to, you know, take control of that and learn some more and educate yourself and, you know, try to just be a better person to black women, you know, like, yes. I think this is a great way to, you know, they always say that listening is the best way to become an ally. And that's yeah. what I hope to do is by, you know, listening to these kind of stories. And this is a great book for that. So if you want to be a better ally, if you want to learn more about feminism and how it is from the black experience, like this is a great one to start with. So like I said, it's called hood feminism and I'm just loving it so far. So but your fun fact made me think I heard one the other day. That's so why I was looking on my phone that mm -hmm. about guns, which it should be a woman issue. I've heard people talk about that before. Mm -hmm. That they should 
women should be in charge of the guys. Yeah, right? <laughs> no shit. But um, 3% of America's population owns half the guns. Yeah, I believe of it. all the guns, 3% of our population owns half of them. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yes. Because the people that love them, love them. But you know, the interesting part too is that she was in the military and she says, I'm pro-gun. Like, I, I I, believe in guns. I love guns. She was like, but, you know, there there should be this and this and this in place, you know. And, and she, like I said, I don't want to butcher what she so eloquently wrote out. So I, I think if anybody's interested at all, you should read it. Like, she's not anti-gun in any way, but she's just, she's got a great way of discussing it. I have experienced the true gun people that appreci- appreciate and understand guns. Mm-hmm are the ones that actually want the rules mm-hmm. and want the mandates and want the protection and they know how serious it is. They take mm-hmm. guns seriously. They don't yeah. want to get rid of them. They take mm-hmm. it seriously and they think it should be taken more seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, and she and her husband at the time, they were since divorced, but um, they were both living in the state. And I want to say, if I remember correctly, I think it was Louisiana was the state where you could not own a gun if you had a prior domestic issue. I think that's what it is. Like you couldn't, you couldn't have one. And she said, and I think that's what saved my life was that the fact that like that had been reported on him and he wasn't able to carry a gun. And she said, maybe he would see those situations different, but I have no doubt that if we would have had a gun in the home, I would have been shot. God, that should be a rule. I never even thought about that. I know. And I was like, how is there only one state that does that? (laughs) Like, There's got to be, why are not all of the states doing that? That if you have any sort of, yeah, like any sort of domestic abuse, like anything like that, stalking, yeah, that you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't be allowed to have one. I mean, you could still obtain one illegally. Yes. But you shouldn't be able to legally purchase a firearm. Oh, that's another, that's another podcast. (laughs) All right. The other thing I want to talk about, I have a list too. All right. On the top of my list for this episode was Thinks Underwear. Have you heard about all of their stuff, the period panties? You've talked about them before. I have talked about them on the podcast, which is why I want to have this discussion today. Thinks just settled a huge lawsuit. It was up to $5 million lawsuit because they claimed- Um, there was a person, she was a journalist that sent the underwear to a team, I guess, of scientists or whoever who tested the underwear to test the claims that Thinks was making that these were organic and chemical free and they were not. And so Thinks in, they settled the lawsuit so they don't necessarily admit guilt, but they have to pay out damages. So I think that part's really telling, but I don't know. Okay. So this is what the article says. I'm going to read you this little clip from it. And this is from, actually, maybe I should click on the other article. This one's from Cosmo. I don't know if I want to read that as a news source. Some companies will just settle things because they want to be done with it. And it's too expensive. That's exactly, listen, that's exactly how I came at it from, because I was like, look, I have been on the receiving end of this kind of shit. So Let's not just jump into they're guilty. Okay. So I was like, all right, let me read about this and see. So I've read several news articles. This is one. This is from treehugger.com, who I love. I think they're funny. 
But I've also got one pulled up from NPR. That's the same thing. I just like the way they phrase it on here. Um, Thinks is the period underwear company has settled a class action lawsuit alleging that its products contain harmful chemicals. Over the last several years, the brand has grown in popularity precisely because its products were advertised as sustainable and non-toxic. They were seen as greener, zero-waste option for dealing with periods, and one that seems safer compared to conventional chemical-laden pads and tampons. The lawsuit paints a different picture, however. Tests revealed that the absorbent underwear contains per PER and sub I can't say it, substances, more commonly known as PFAS. These chemicals are linked to decreased fertility, low birth weight, high blood pressure in pregnant women, increased risk of some cancers and reduction in immune system functions and hormone disruptions. PFAS, PFAS are a group of man-made chemicals best known for their ability to propel water and stains and to create nonstick surfaces. Think of Teflon. They're referred to as forever chemicals because they persist in the natural environment, accumulate in animals, and do not degrade. PFAS are detectable in most human bodies due to so many sources of exposure. So this is a chemical you can get kind of anywhere. I think even someone said That's this is on I'm like saying. receipts. So here's my question <clears throat> is if I go make something from the environment, mm -hmm. isn't there a likely chance that this is just going to be in it, even though I didn't put it in there? I didn't That's exactly it. it. So the problem with this is they didn't disclose it and that it has not been tested vaginally, I guess, like in this area. So I guess that's sort of the unknown thing was what harm this can do to you when it's absorbed via your vaginally, I guess. So I guess I just thought I'm shoving a tampon up there already. So. Exactly. I know. I'm like, well, what's the what's the what's six one way, half a dozen the other, you know, right? Like, OK, it's one chemical training for another. So I in my knee jerk reaction to this was like, oh, shit, let me read some more. I wasn't like one way or the other. So. Let me see this. I don't know if it has it on here. Um, the Things lawsuit focused on the fact that it, advertising was misleading. Not only the potential health effects of its underwear, but people are nonetheless concerned about the facts that PFAS were found in products worn so close to the most sensitive and absorbent parts of a woman's body. It was this journalist in 2020 named, just, I think it's Jessian Choi, sent three pairs of Things underwear to a lab, and she discovered that a pair of the organic, quote-unquote, briefs contained blank you know it's like so much per underwear and it was also in um the between which is the tween brand um it was high in that as well and someone's uh the scientist that tested it i'm sorry i'm just like paraphrasing this article it says quote that's high enough to suggest they were intentionally manufactured with it end quote so i guess the testing revealed that it was high enough to assume that this was made as part of it and not an accidental absorption into it i don't know but um and it says additional tests have revealed the presence of agion which is an antimicrobial odor reducing agent made from silver and copper um, non-particles even as things claimed its products were free from these non-migratory non-particles um, silver non-particles are sometimes added to fabrics as an antimicrobial agent but, is safe, but its safety is disputed. According to Women's Voices for the Earth, it can have adverse effects on vaginal health and is more of a marketing gimmick with a poor track record of actually being affected. 
you know, so I mean, the article, like, again, you can, you can, it's at treehugger.com or you can go like to a, a reputable news source or whichever one you want and read more about this. I just thought as many times as I have talked about this product on the podcast, I am literally wearing a pair of things underwear right now. I don't know. You know, I'm like, it's making I don't, I don't me know. very irritated. Yeah. Very irritated that they're taking so much time and so much <clears throat> effort to investigate. Mm-hmm these underwear when women's health care is yeah. like mm-hmm. i mean i'm like get out of here this is what we're investing in your journalism yeah. mm-hmm. is here and we're not talking about the horrible things of the pap smear and the birth control shit that they're mm-hmm. putting into us and not warning us that or the doctors forgetting to say you shouldn't be on depo for 10 years yeah but here we are talking about some panty liners that are probably better for you than than tampons yeah yeah and mind you i would be insane to think that there's not something in a pair of underwear that's absorbing blood coming out of me (laughs) yeah that you're wearing all day it's not putting it on my jeans i mean there's gotta be something going on there it's not magic i know (laughs) you know and it's one of those things where i don't even know if it's a calculated risk but i feel like if you deep dive enough into something it's it's gonna be a problem you know like that's I don't know. Put a cop on anybody for 300 miles, they're going to get a ticket. Yeah. Ain't that the fucking truth? You know, and it's, it's, it bums me out because it, I think it is such a great company because it is so inclusive, not only with their sizes and their branding, their, their marketing and stuff, how they use um, people with disabilities, they use people of all shapes and sizes, you know, and it's like, I felt like they were really, they are a really women positive company. So I am so upset to believe that maybe they were somewhat malicious in their manufacturing, or at least knowingly not as truthful in their manufacturing. Had they had a disclaimer that just said what was in it, I wouldn't have been so upset. You know, like, of course, these things are going to be in there. You can buy like, you know, the dry fit shirts the shits in that too because it wicks away moisture and stuff you know so it's like it's in that so why not just disclose that it's in it but i think it's like the fear of disclosing it was that there might be a fear that there's something wrong with it and that that you ever read a tampon uh, we've all read the tampon box packlet yep that there's nothing Mm -hmm. worse than that (laughs) no (laughs) i know it's a that's the thing it's so like the toxic sauce syndrome the pamphlet (laughs) forgot my phone i guess i'm reading this again (laughs) if one more time (laughs) why not i'll just refresh myself on toxic stock syndrome but like so anyway so you know i just wanted to share it because again i've talked about it so much and i do love these products i mean i'm still wearing them you know (laughs) fucking roll with it so you think that they did know to a certain degree i don't know that's what i like that's, you know, somebody was like, well, they settled. And I'm like, that does not admit guilt. I don't know if we talked about this because I got really mad. I don't know if we talked about this. Stop me if we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. When I was trying to figure out why some people were getting more federal time than others. No, I don't think so. So Maybe. reality stars, whatever, getting charged with fraud and all mm. this stuff. And some of them are getting two okay. and five years. You did talk about that okay. because of that, and because they go to trial. Because they go to trial. It kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of that. It's mm-hmm. like people aren't getting their, the system isn't working how it's supposed to work. 
people are getting penalized for using it. Mm -hmm. So like that's, it feels like that's what's happening is that they have to pay out. They're getting penalized because they have to, you know, because they're they're being dragged to the Uh, people who bought it. I actually got an email that was like, you can get refunded up to the cost of three pairs of underwear. I mean, I've bought 20 pairs from them and they're like, you can get refunded up to three pairs or you can get a 35% off coupon. But it's like they're refunding up to, you know, $5 million on whoever can apply for the, on the, like the class action lawsuit. You can apply to receive a refund. All you have to do is send in your receipt and you can get one. So there you go. If you want to be a part of it, I did look up and it was a company that you have mentioned to me before. It was the Tomboy X, that one. Which one? I think you, yeah, you've sent it to me before because they have like, um, they specialize in um, underwear for, that's like gender neutral. Okay. They yes. have like the bo- the women with the boxer briefs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they go from like a, like an extra, like a triple extra small to like a six X. So super size inclusive, all different kinds of underwear. The only thing I didn't, they have period underwear and it's, they have it on there, the disclaimer that said it doesn't, doesn't have any of the PFAS or whatever. It doesn't have any of those chemicals. It tells you what's in it. So if you are all like nervous about it and you want a product that is, you know, that is, tells you what's in it, you can go to that website. It's literally the same thing. They don't have thongs, which was disappointing because that's what I wear. But they have every other kind of period underwear you could think of. So if you're, if you want to switch, that's one that's, you know, super size inclusive, really body positive, um, gender neutral. So there you go. I never want to know what's in anything. I'm like, don't tell me. It's I go to, when I have surgery <laughs> and the doctor tries to break it down to me, I'm like, don't. <laughs> I'm like the opposite of, I don't want to know. Just, just keep it to yourself. To do. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to know how you're doing it. Just do it. I'll wake up take the pain medication. Oh, I have a show recommendation. I watched the other day. It's on Hulu. It's called bad sisters and it is so good. It's just a, it's like, um, it's a one-time show. It's not like seasonal. It's, I I think it's like, it's on Apple TV. Yeah. It's on Apple. Um, it's 10 episodes. It starts off. It's so good. You'll like it too. Cause it's dark and kind of, it's got like dark humor in it. But um, it's about five sisters and the show starts with, and it's only 10 episodes. Like I said, it's like kind of like a long movie, mm-hmm. but um, it the very beginning, there's a funeral and as all the sisters are getting ready to go to a funeral because one of their sisters, her husband died and they're all talking about what a piece of shit he is. <laughs> and then it flashes back like a few months back and it's, they say we should just kill him. And so it's so good because you don't know who did it. Like the whole time you're like, oh my God, like all these sisters are in on killing their one sister's husband. Like what the fuck That's happened? Funny. And, and, and there's too flashes. many suspects for the there's cops so to many, one person. This, this is the thing though. It's not the cops that are investigating it. It's really cool because it's insurance company. It's yeah. these two guys that are insurance companies and they don't want to pay out the insurance money because they don't have it. They're broke. Like the insurance company is broke. And so they are trying to find a way to prove that he was murdered so they don't have to pay the insurance. Well, technically, if, if the wife wasn't the one that murdered, it didn't matter. 
I guess they want to like say that the insurance, I don't know. I guess that it wasn't like a, a accidental death. I don't know. Yes. Cause there is mm -hmm. actually, there's accidental causes within insurance. So if an yes. accident happens, you can get more money. Yeah. So, but they don't have the money to pay out the claim. So that's why they're trying to prove that it's murder. Does anybody and fall so, in love with these guys? With the insurance guys? Well, one of them is, I won't tell you, but oh. it's good. <laughs> So yeah, it's kind of like a whodunit, but it's about these sisters and it's in Ireland. And like, as I'm watching it, I'm like, I miss Eagle so much because it's like, <laughs> it's beautiful and it's sweet. And they have, you know, these gorgeous accents, but they're all funny as fuck. It's so good. And it's dark. And the husband though is a piece of shit and you fucking hate him by the end of it. Cause like you're watching it in the beginning and like Kevin watched it with me and he was like, God, I can't believe I'm going to kill him. He's not that bad a guy. And like, as it goes, he's like, fuck that guy. I'm like, I don't know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so like everybody wants to kill him by the end of it. So it's really, there's a lot of suspects. It's really fun. So if you, if you want to watch something good, it's called Bad Sisters on Apple TV. It's really They don't good. have Hobby Lobby in Ireland. <laughs> Another reason to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where are they going to buy their kill kit though? We're going to figure that out. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Cameron Claire and sugar sweet sticky buns. So I mentioned this last week, but I just wanted to reiterate a couple of things. Um, the book that you're about to listen to the second part of, it was originally part of an anthology. But if you hear different couples that are mentioned, there's Derek and Jessica who were in Budding the Boss. Stephen and Alicia who are in Tempting the Teacher. Let's see, Coulter and Brooklyn are in Dating the Boss. So if you're listening to these people that are mentioned, make sure you go check out those books. It is from the Spring City series. She also has a brand new release that's out, Personal Foul. It's the third book in the Rangers football series. Book one is Play Action Fake. Book two is Quarterback Sneak. And those have all been updated and re-released and are in KU right now, but it's only for a limited time, so make sure you grab those. If you want to know more from Cameron Claire, make sure you check out her Facebook group, Witty, Wicked, and Wild Reader Group. So, or you can check out her website. Um, we'll have everything linked down in the show notes in the stuff we've talked about. So that's that. <laughs> that's a lot. In. Okay. We'll see you on the other side. Chapter three. Jane. I'm rendered speechless and I'm never at a loss for words. I researched Christoph Miller as soon as I got home last night, and the man is impressive. I'm not sure what drives him, if it's some childhood trauma or a sphere of influence he enjoys, but he's on a mission. What the mission is, I'm also not sure, as his Spring City Top 10 interview wasn't very specific. I could have written a better article. Glancing at the box of ingredients, I changed the subject. What's on the menu tonight? He nods, nice enough to take my not-so-subtle hint. Tonight we're making sriracha glazed chicken and salmon kebabs on a bed of curry quinoa with butternut squash soup and sticky buns for dessert. That sounds complicated. He pulls out ingredients, putting the vegetables in an order I'm sure makes sense to him. I believe your requirements were variety, flavor, and fun. I think the description alone fulfills two of the three. Can I trust you with a knife? I nod tentatively. 
Last time I cut myself, I was using a mandolin, which is supposed to be foolproof. As long as I don't have to get fancy. I'm in no hurry. Are you? No, but I am hungry. He smiles. I'll find you something to nibble on. Oh, I bet you will. I quirk my brow, but say nothing. His confidence is off the charts and so sexy. It's a young man's confidence, one that hasn't been tainted by time or experience. Half the men my age are on their second life. Once or twice divorced, they have families they're responsible for, mortgages they're paying for homes they no longer live in. They're in a transition and looking for a woman to help them cross over to the next phase of their life. Not that a man with kids bothers me. I've dated a couple and have no problem with them maintaining their responsibilities. What bothers me is the entitlement men in their 40s and 50s carry with them. As if a decrepit woman my age should swoon because they've asked me out. We're at a pivotal point in time where women don't need men for the basics anymore. We have our own bank accounts, careers, educations, homes, retirements, etc. Relationship dynamics have changed, and people have to want companionship for the right reason. There has to be an undeniable draw that burns soul deep. We need to like one another, as well as not be able to keep our hands off each other. Here. Kristoff hands me a knife and a cutting board. Cut these into cubes. I get to work while he's a flurry of activity with bowls and saucepans. Tell me something about you I didn't read online. Well, I don't know how far you dug. He dips his finger into a sauce and holds it up to my lips. Taste. I part my lips and welcome him with a swipe of my tongue. His eyes turn molten brown as he puts his finger into his mouth, sucking it clean. What do you think? It's good, but not moan-worthy. Oh, you wait. He chuckles and returns to his saucepans. So what do you want to know about me? Are you a Spring City native? I return to chopping vegetables. Born and bred on the south side. What about you? We moved here when I was in elementary school. My dad was army. An army brat? Not really. He separated a couple of years later, and we never moved again. I smile as Kristoff slides from one task to another, making no mess, feeling no pressure. He has three burners going and put something in the oven. I've barely moved onto the zucchini, cutting it into big chunks. Did you come from a big family? He shakes his head. It was me and my mom. My dad split before I was born. My mom worked at the Five and Dime Diner downtown. I spent a lot of my time in the kitchen. I worked as a dishwasher at age 12 and then prep cook and eventually line cook. The owners were cool and let me experiment between shifts. I found I had a knack for mixing up recipes and let it be known I wanted to go to culinary school. They set a glass jug out near the cash register as the Christoph Miller Scholarship Fund. People donated all year, and then Grayson Custom Hardwood made a huge donation, giving me enough to pay for school. That was nice of them. Why'd they do that? 
He smiles, his eyes on the saucepan he stirs incessantly. Julia, Mrs. Grayson, and my mom are friends. Before she met Mr. Grayson, Julia worked at the Five and Dime and lived with my mom long before she had me. You know, I've heard a bit about the Graysons, but only because of the revitalization efforts downtown being managed by the two brothers. Yeah, they'll be at the dinner on Sunday. Oh, I press my lips together, wondering if I'll be the oldest person at this dinner party. How are you doing on those vegetables? He wipes his hands and comes up behind me, placing his chin on my shoulder. A hint of his cologne tickles my nose, making me want to nuzzle my face in his warm neck. I think I'm done, I say, turning my head to catch him out of the corner of my eye. He's so cute, playful, and enticing. There's a familiarity about him, as if I've known him my entire life, or as if my soul recognizes him as its mate. I don't think I can resist him despite our age difference. That's good, because while you chopped vegetables, I did everything else. Shut up. I laugh and set the knife down, turning to face him. He closes his eyes and shakes his head, a smile curving his lips. What? You have flour on your cheek. How'd you get flour on your cheek when you've been chopping vegetables the entire time? He cups my face and uses his thumb to brush my cheek clean. I'm talented that way. How did I get flour on me? It doesn't matter, because the look on his face, full of need and desire, makes me thankful for the mess requiring him to be up close and personal. Are you ready to moan? His voice is that silky smooth chocolate again, and it causes everything below my belt to tingle. Yes? Let's get these kebabs on the grill so we can eat. He winks and takes a step back, leaving me panting. He makes quick work of skewering the marinated chicken, salmon, and vegetables before tossing them on the grill. While they cook, he reaches behind me and pulls the ties on my apron, playfully smacking my ass. How's your wine knowledge? Any preferences with dinner? I wouldn't even know where to start. Our house red will work for tonight. Would you mind going out to the bar and pouring us two glasses? I nod, removing my apron. I can do that. It takes a few minutes to find the wine and pour two glasses. By the time I come back into the kitchen, Christoph has the savory quinoa and two kebab sand skewers on each plate, sauce drizzled over the top. He motions to a small table in his office with a tablecloth and candles, silverware, and place settings. I put the glasses down. This is fancy. I thought we'd be sampling over the stove or something. I think you deserve better than that, especially since this is a date. It's not a date until I moan. He sets the plate down in front of me and then leans forward, kissing my cheek. You're about to. I spear a chunk of glazed salmon with a hint of creamy sauce on it and bring it to my mouth, a moan escaping my lips as soon as the sweet and spicy cream hits my tongue. Christoph chuckles and picks up his fork. I told you. There is no way this is heart healthy, I say with my mouth full while I eagerly fill my fork with quinoa. 
Chicken, salmon, vegetables, and quinoa. All good stuff, none of which are drowning in sugar or fat. I only used a tablespoon of heavy cream for texture, along with some pureed butternut squash, which reminds me, I forgot the soup. Be right back. He tips my chin up before I can take my next bite and lays a panty-melting kiss on me. I drop my fork, close my eyes, and give myself over to his dominant touch. He chuckles as he pulls away, his power over me stroking his ego without me saying a word. Now it's a date. I sigh. It certainly is. Chapter 4 Christoph. I knew I'd make her moan in the kitchen. Now the question is, can I make her moan in other places? I set a cup of butternut squash soup topped with toasted coconut in front of her and then take my seat, thrilled to see she's dug into her meal with enthusiasm. There is nothing sexier than a woman who likes to eat, especially when it's my food. You like it? It's amazing. That's one date down. Will you join me tomorrow at the bistro? She smiles over the rim of her glass. Is our date over? I have sticky buns cooling on the rack right now. I reach out and stroke her hand. Glancing down at her plate, she interlaces her fingers with mine. Maybe we should take our dessert home. Damn, this woman is perfect. Beautiful, sexy, and to the point. And although I want many dates with her, if she's willing to invite me over for a nightcap tonight, I won't say no. Your place or mine? I raise my brow, wondering if she's serious. And if she is, will going home together ruin next weekend and beyond? Whichever is closer. She brings her eyes up to mine, the confidence in her expression wavering. I have a condo in Central City. I'm on the northwest side. She squeaks as I scoot my chair forward and slide my hand up the inside of her thigh. I don't think you're sure about dessert. Let me give you a reason to spend the night with me. I pull Jane to her feet and slide my hands to the sides of her face, claiming her mouth, thankful as she gasps and parts her lips for me. I only take her by surprise for a second before she's matching my fervor, wrapping her arms around me and rubbing her body against mine. Backing her to my desk, I slide my hands over her breasts and down her waist to cup her ass. Let me taste you, pleasure you, and give you the orgasm you require to take me seriously before our second date. I can't believe we're doing this. Her voice shakes as she fumbles with the buttons on her jeans in lieu of an answer. Which part? All of it. I grab her hand, stilling her fingers. If you don't want to. I do. She bites her lip. But it's been a long time since I've felt this kind of passion rushing through my veins. I'm not a spontaneous person and I haven't had a date I couldn't keep my hands off of in years. 
bringing her hands up to my chest. I press her palms flat against my pecs. You can put your hands wherever you want, Jane. I want you to touch me. But more so, I want to taste you. My fingers slide her zipper down and push her jeans off her hips as I drop to my knees in front of her. She's wearing a scrap of light pink lace over her hips, silky cotton between her legs, but her jeans are too tight to open her wide like I want. I unzip her knee-high boots and pull them off, her jeans following as I toss them to the side. Looking up, I catch the lusty look on her face as she stares down at me, gripping the edge of my desk. I kiss the inside of her thigh and slide my hands up the outside of her legs as I climb back up her body. Fuck, you're sexy. She slides her fingers into my hair, pulling my lips to hers. Kissing her senseless, I push the meaningless shit off my desk and press my body down on hers until she's flat on her back. I trail kisses over her shirt, biting the cotton and lace hiding her nipples from me. I'll explore every inch of her body later. First, orgasm. Lifting her shirt, I press kisses to her soft belly and make my way down to her silk-covered pussy, aching for my tongue. I pull off her panties and then hoist her leg up over my shoulder, licking and sucking the tender flesh of her inner thighs. She gasps, her muscles tensing and then relaxing in my arms. I waste no time, spreading her wide with my hands, sliding my tongue up her center and latching onto her clit, sucking and flicking the hard pearl engorged with need. She moans, fisting a handful of my hair and riding my face with wanton abandon. I fucking love her enthusiasm. It eggs me on. Not that I need encouragement to do a good job. I want her drunk on me, addicted, and coming back for more. Sliding two fingers inside of her, I curl and stroke her G-spot until she's writhing, panting, and chanting my name. Oh, God. Kristoff. I, I, give it to me, Jane. I want it. I growl against her clit as she gushes her arousal around my fingers. Her thighs tighten around my head the moment her cunt clamps down, milking me for what I'm desperate to give her. She cries out, her pussy pulsating and legs quivering until she finally goes limp her hand relaxing in my hair and falling to her side. I might have a bald spot now. Worth it. I'm grinning as I kiss her thighs and pull my fingers from her tight, hot channel. Goddamn, Jane. That was amazing. Oh, God. Kristoff. I haven't come like that in... I can't even remember how long. I wipe my mouth, fully satisfied with myself, and then slide her underwear back up her legs, followed by her jeans. Once her breathing is under control, I help her sit up and place a gentle kiss on her lips. 
How are you feeling about dessert now? She grins and kisses me back with all the need and desire coursing through my veins and my very hard, aching cock. I can't wait. We ride the elevator up to my condo near the top floor. One of the few luxuries I afforded myself once my restaurants took off. This place and my BMW M4 are two things I fantasized about having as a kid. I open my door and usher Jane in, pleased as a small gasp escapes her lips. My condo overlooks Spring City with the mountains as a backdrop, but considering it's too dark to see them now, I assume she's impressed by my decor. Did you decorate this place? I scoff. No, I hired Casey Holloway for that. It's beautiful. Masculine, yet elegant. Her fingertips brush over the knickknacks on the mantle of my gas fireplace. How long have you lived here? Six months. It hasn't been long. A real bachelor pad. Shrugging, I look around, seeing it through fresh eyes. I guess it could be. But you're the first woman I've brought here besides my mother. She pulls her poncho off and tosses it on a chair. Really? I don't have time to date, Jane. When I met the right woman, I figured I'd make it work. I slide my hands around her waist and pull her into me. What do you say? Want to make it work? Sucking in her breath, she smiles. I think we need dessert. I'll warm them up. I kiss her nose and pull back. She slides her hand into my waistband and grips my pants. Not the dessert I meant. Oh, baby, I knew you were perfect. I haul her against me and stumble backwards toward my bedroom, pulling off her Henley while she fumbles with the buttons on my shirt. We lose clothing down the hallway. Her bra, my shoes, and shirt, peppering the hardwood floors with random scraps of material. I slide my hands under her ass and pick her up to toss her on the bed. She giggles as she bounces on my mattress. Kristoff! I waste no time unzipping her boots and pulling off her pants and underwear in one fluid motion. I unfasten my slacks and let them fall down kneeling on the bed between her splayed thighs, struggling to kick my legs free. Not smooth. Not smooth at all. But her lyrical laugh does something to me, and I'm desperate to sink my cock in her hot, wet heat. I crawl up her body, one knee between her thighs, and latch onto her nipple, sucking the tight bud between my teeth. She moans and writhes underneath me, her fingers threading through my hair as she holds me close to her heart. So responsive, I murmur, moving from her left breast to the right and back again, my fingers sliding down her belly and slipping between her slick folds. I want to get her off so many times tonight, she'll think of me like a drug she has withdrawals from after hours of no contact. She rolls her hips, 
silently begging me to plunge my fingers deep inside her. I can't deny her, pressing my thumb against her clit while I curl my finger and slowly stroke her G-spot. She's so wet, aroused, and engorged, ready and desperate to release. You're going to come for me again, aren't you? Yes, Jane arches her back. Fuck, you're talented with your hands. And my tongue? Definitely your tongue, she pants, her inner walls clamping down on my fingers as her orgasm spills over. Oh. Jane's mouth falls open as she shatters into a million pieces in my arms, and it is beautiful to watch. I claim her lips, swallow down her moans, kissing her until she comes back to me. Sliding my fingers free from her pussy, I lift her knee and pull her leg over my hip. I want her to ride me so her full breasts swing as she bounces on my cock, chasing her next orgasm as my climax tightens up my balls. You know, she murmurs against my mouth, I'm also quite talented with my tongue. I cork my brow. Oh, really? Can I show you? Jane purrs, pushing me to my back. Baby, you can do whatever you want to me. Mmm. She smiles and slides down my body, raking her fingernails over my chest hard enough to leave red streaks. My cock jumps as her breath caresses my flesh, her tongue flicking out and licking the bead of pre-cum spilling from the tip. She wraps her fingers around me, using her thumb to stroke the underside of my shaft. You have a beautiful cock, Kristoff. I like hearing that. I groan and close my eyes as she takes me deep in her mouth, dropping my head back to the pillow. Jane works me with expert skill, sucking, then licking, then sucking again, kneading my balls and then stroking all eight inches of my cock until I'm writhing underneath her. Oh, fuck, baby. You keep doing that and I'm going to come. Can you come more than once? She glances up at me. Of course, I pant, lifting my head to meet her eye. Then to reiterate your words from earlier, give it to me. I want every drop. Oh, fuck. I drop my head and pump my hips, fighting the urge to thread my fingers through her hair and fuck her mouth until I release. Not that she needs my help. She's amazing with her tongue as promised. Ah, I groan, thrusting my hips up, my balls tight and desperate to unload. I'm coming. Jane moans as the first shot roars out of my cock and shoots down the back of her throat. I come hard, harder than I have in a long time. Stars dancing in my eyes as tingles ripple up my spine. I'm panting, reveling in my post-orgasmic high as Jane slides her tongue up my chest, 
She kisses my neck, nibbles along my jaw, and claims my lips like a woman who knows exactly what she wants. God damn, you do have a talented tongue. She grins. Swing your leg over my waist and ride my cock. Are you ready? I quirk my brow and purposefully glance down. She follows my gaze and sucks in her breath. Impressive. One of the many joys of being with a young guy, I guess. I grin. She shakes her head. You forget. I was your age once. And the man I was with couldn't do that. That's not a young man thing. That's a Kristoff thing. I like that better. But you should take credit too. Because I don't normally recover this quickly. This is because I'm desperate to sink inside of you. Jane cups my face and kisses me. Swinging her leg over my hip. She wraps her fingers around my cock and lines us up. Lowering herself and taking me inside her fevered body slowly. Inch by excruciating inch. Oh, fuck. You're hot and tight and feel so damn good. I grip her hips, spreading my hands wide and flexing my fingertips to dig into her curves. She tosses her head back and moans once I'm seated deep within her wet heat. Oh, yeah. Perfect fit. That's right, baby. I guide her as she rides me, shifting her hips back and forth for a minute before bouncing up and down on my cock. You're perfect for me, and I'm perfect for you. You can feel it between us, can't you? I knew it the moment our eyes met. Yes, she hisses, shifting back into a rocking motion that rubs the head of my cock along her G-spot, gushing with her arousal. I've never felt anything like it. Cupping her breasts, I thrust my hips up, taking over to fuck her from underneath. Her head lowers and her mouth drops open as her cunt clamps down on me. Oh, Kristoff. Her climax causes my release to hit hard and fast, come shooting deep into her pussy. She collapses on me, nestling her face into my neck. Wow. I'm out of breath, panting like I ran a 5K and seriously out of shape. I'm not out of shape. Damn, woman. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. She murmurs, her voice sleepy. Are you ready for bed, baby? Am I staying the night? Every night sounds good to me. I stroke her face, resting my chin on the top of her head. Or I'll come to your place. Whichever you prefer as long as I have you in my arms. Can we discuss this over coffee and sticky buns in the morning? I reach down to pull up the comforter. Sounds like the perfect morning. Chapter 5 Jane, 
This has been the most amazing week of my life. I spent Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday night with Christoph, starting at one of his restaurants, testing amazing recipes that, if I hadn't helped prepare them, I would have sworn were full of sugar and fat. Wednesdays through Saturdays are hard days for him, as all three of his restaurants are open, and he works 16-hour days. Still, he found time to text me, letting me know I was on his mind and in his heart. He's the sweetest and passionate man I've ever met, and his sexual prowess is next-level intoxicating. I've woken up wet every morning, anticipating his beautiful cock plunging deep inside me. I'm addicted, captivated, and I don't notice our age difference when we're together. But now it's Sunday, and I'm nervous about the celebrity dinner tonight. I did some research online, and I think Derek and Jessica Grayson are in their mid-30s, Brett and Reagan Grayson are a few years older, Coulter and Camden Manning, the brothers who took over Manning Industries from their father a few years ago, have to be under 30, as they're both on the top 10 list with Kristoff. If I read the right articles, Coulter is around 28. Ugh, 28. 15 years, my junior. I technically could be his mother, his really young mother, but Mama Jane nonetheless. Don't think about that. Christoph doesn't care, so why should I? My phone buzzes with a text. I wish I'd woken up with you in my arms. I miss you. I smile, all my concerns dissolving when I think about how he makes me feel. I miss you too. You're coming home with me after dinner? Right? Absolutely. I can't wait to get you naked. And I can't wait to make you moan my name again. I sigh and lean back against my headboard, my laptop resting on my legs. The man has made me moan his name every time he touches me without fail. I've experienced nothing like it in my life. Can you be at the restaurant early? I have something to give you. What time? Five. I'll be there. Wear a dress tonight. No underwear. I press my lips together, wicked thoughts running through my head while butterflies dance in my belly. Okay. Until tonight, baby. Maybe this midlife love affair will crash and burn as hot as it started, but I feel things have never felt before. I thought I was in love with my first husband. In some ways, I was but I've never needed, craved, or felt consumed by him like I do Kristoff. He's a busy guy, and I appreciate that about him. It means he's not up my ass looking for me to entertain or take care of him, which is refreshing. Over the last four nights we've been apart, I finished my edits on my client's thriller and wrote up a draft article for the cookbook review based on the three meals we've made. The time we spend apart makes me excited for tonight. Not the dinner, because that's got me nervous as hell, but afterwards, when we can be alone. I walk into my closet and look at my dresses, settling on a black wraparound dress with green polka dots that hits just below the knee. I'll pair it with knee-high black boots and a matching cardigan and let my hair fall loose around my shoulders because Christoph loves it when I wear it down. 
I park in the front per his direction, thrilled when he opens the door and hands me a red rose. Thank you. He locks the door behind me and escorts me to a table set for ten. Have a seat. What's going on? I sit down, placing the rose on the table next to a velvet box. Flipping the lid open, he pulls out a long, delicate white gold chain with a pink gemstone solitaire hanging from it and fastens it around my neck. This is Morganite. It represents positive healing energy, inner peace, confidence, and unconditional love. Kristoff, this is too much. I place my fingers over the pendant as it hangs between my breasts. I'm glad you wore a low-cut dress. The necklace gives me something to blame my distraction on tonight. He kisses my neck. Why? I stroke the pendant, searching his face for hidden meaning for this unexpected gift. I want you to have it. He smiles. Also, I have another surprise. Okay. My mother is coming to dinner tonight. Oh? Oh. My eyes grow wide. Oh. He sits next to me and takes my hand. Don't panic. She's wonderful, and I've told her all about you. You have? Of course. I had to tell her about my special lady. A rat-a-tat-tat hits the front door. That's probably her. I'm on the verge of a panic attack, a fine sweat breaking out on the back of my neck. I can't believe I'm about to meet his mother. If she's not an old gray-haired biddy, our age difference will be a huge slap in my face. Could I be closer to her age than his? Hello, Jane. I jump out of my chair as a vivacious woman with unnaturally red hair and large breasts walks toward me with her hand outstretched. Hi. I'm Cherry, Kristoff's mom. I'm Jane. I say nothing more as she obviously knows my name and Kristoff and I haven't defined our relationship yet. Ma, I told you no presents, he says from a few feet away, pulling a nice wooden box out of a bag. What's the present for? I smile as he opens the top and reveals a personalized crystal whiskey decanter with matching tumblers. It's my boy's birthday, Cherry smiles. It's your birthday? I gasp, jaw dropping as I stare at him. She rubs my arm. Don't worry, honey, he doesn't like making a big deal about it. I rub the pendant and shake my head. He smiles sheepishly and pulls me into his arms. It's a coincidence this dinner fell on my birthday, that's all. Growling, I whisper in his ear. You're in so much trouble? He chuckles. You can spank me later. Heat floods my cheeks. I put space between us, unable to meet his mother's watchful gaze. What must she think of me and her son? This is beautiful, Ma. Thank you. Christoph turns back to the wooden box and then wraps his arm around Cherry. Can I get either of you a cocktail before dinner? I'll take an old-fashioned, she chirps. I nod. Sounds good. Okay. He sets the wooden box behind the bar before mixing us our drinks. Christoph says you're a big-time editor for New York Times best-selling authors. Cherry takes a seat and motions for me to sit in the one at the head of the table. Uh, I have a few clients who have their letters. 
I sit down as instructed. All thriller authors? Sipping my drink, I nod. Pretty much. Mystery, thriller, noir, and crime fiction. No romance? Cherry leans back in her chair and crosses her legs. She looks nothing like an old woman, and I'm thinking I'm closer to her age than his. No. That's too bad. I love a good steamy romance novel. She giggles when my eyes grow wide. Christoph takes the chair between us and grabs my hand, interlacing our fingers. He's completely comfortable with PDA and has no problem claiming me in front of his family. This should comfort me, but instead, I'm freaked out. Another set of wraps come to the glass front door, and Christoph raises my hand to his lips before walking away to let people in. Here we go. Cherry stands and smooths down her sweater dress. I follow her lead and stand as well. The first two people to walk in are Derek and Jessica Grayson. Anyone paying attention in Spring City knows who Derek is. The man is involved in almost every major revitalization project downtown, and considering he's attractive with dark skin and peridot green eyes, he doesn't go unnoticed. His wife is also beautiful, petite, and blonde with a clear baby bump under her fuzzy sweater. Behind them, two more people walk through the door. A thin athletic supermodel type with long blonde hair and... Stephen? Dr. Stephen Lancaster from SCCU brings his blue eyes up to meet mine. Jane? Wow, it's been years. He steps around the pretty blonde and walks to the end of the table, pulling me into an awkward embrace. Yeah, I chuckle as he steps back. You've done well at the university. Yeah, he blushes. Are you still teaching? A few creative writing courses when they need me, but otherwise, I freelance edit novels and give craft workshops at conferences, stuff like that. Wow. He flashes me a genuine smile. I always thought he was a handsome, unassuming man. You look great. How'd you get roped into this dinner? I was about to ask you the same question. I laugh. I'm married to Alicia Grayson, and they asked us to come since Brett and Reagan's twins came down with a stomach bug. You remarried? Maybe it was his quiet demeanor, but I never imagined Stephen dating, much less getting married. Yeah, I did. You? No, I've been staunchly single for a long time. I glance at Kristoff and swallow the lump in my throat. Until recently. Stephen is one of the smartest men I know, but his social skills were always lacking. He follows my gaze and then arches his brow. Christoph Miller, really? I sigh. I was afraid I was going to be the oldest person here. I've got you by a few years, and Cherry has us both beat by at least ten. I hope it's over fifteen, I mutter. He grins. Is that how much older you are than Christoph? Oh, God. I bury my face in my hands. Chuckling, he pats my arm. When I met Alicia's parents, I worried about being closer to their age than hers. But I promise you, in this crowd, you're the only one worried about the age difference. I glance up at him. You think so? I know so. 
The tall blonde, who I assume is Alicia, walks up with two drinks in her hand. Hi, she says as she hands a drink to Stephen, a bit of wariness in her voice, which is crazy because she's supermodel gorgeous. I'm Jane. Stephen and I used to teach our completely different courses in side-by-side classrooms before he became a big-time administrator. I'm Alicia. What did you teach? Creative writing, English, literature, the basics back then. Stephen throws his arm around her, his body relaxing like I've never seen him relax, proving she must be good for him. Since I moved to administration, I don't meet the adjunct faculty from the non-science programs anymore. I just found out Jane's still teaching the odd class or two. Oh? Alicia purses her lips. How'd you get dragged into this shindig? She's dating Kristoff, Stephen blurts, and my face turns bright red. Little Kristoff? She smiles, and although it looks genuine, I don't know her well enough to be sure. That's so sweet. Mortified, I'm having a full-on Mrs. Robinson moment, only I don't think she was ashamed in the slightest. I swallow the bile rising in my throat. If you'll excuse me for a minute, I'm going to grab my drink. The last people enter the restaurant, another attractive young couple. Christoph comes up behind me, placing his hand on the small of my back and leans into my ear. Are you okay? I'm overwhelmed. Don't be. I'll make introductions. He raises his voice to grab everyone's attention. Thank you for attending tonight's dinner. This is for the Heart Healthy Fundraiser next week. Thank you to BGG, LLC, Grayson Custom Hardwood, and Manning Industries for their generous donations to this important cause. As most of you know, this organization is very important to my mother and me. They helped us immensely when she had her heart attack in 2015, and I love being able to give back. Oh my God. I know nothing about the man that I'm absolutely crazy about. His birthday his connection to heart health, his connection to these people. Christoph continues. I think everyone here knows each other, and you're all capable of handling your own introductions, but I wanted to introduce Ms. Jane Snyder. She's an amazing editor for NYT Thriller Authors, as well as adjunct faculty at SCCU, and she's here to do an article. Jane Snyder? The pretty curvy blonde with Mr. Manning gasps. I nod. Yeah? I'm Brooklyn Pierce. Well, now Brooklyn Manning. She claps her hands together. He used to babysit me. Do you remember? My jaw drops as I stare at the beautiful full-grown woman who I used to watch as a five-year-old when her parents went out of town for long weekends nearly 23 years ago. Brooklyn, I... Didn't recognize you. At that moment, Christoph slides his hand from my back to my hip, pulling me against him in a possessive hold. It's all too much. I stiffen and pull away, reaching for my drink. Christoph notices, but doesn't make a scene. I see almost everyone has a drink. Mom, can you hook up Coulter in Brooklyn while I check on dinner? Sure, honey. Cherry gives me a wink and takes her place behind the bar. Jane, could you give me a hand in the kitchen? 
He doesn't wait for an answer, instead interlacing his fingers with mine and pulling me through the double doors. We walk past the staff, a small enclave of five working diligently, and right into Christoph's office. He closes the door and drops the blinds, granting us privacy. What's wrong? This is a lot. I'm learning so much about you. Things I should have known before I met your mother, I hiss. We've only known each other a week, Jane. And so far, I believe I fulfill all your requirements. Orgasms? He backs me up against his desk and leans forward, kissing me gently on the lips. Are no problem? Stimulating conversation? Well, I'm no philosopher, but I think we communicate well enough. And I'm working on winning your heart. So what's the problem? Winning my heart? I reach up and rub the pendant again. Yeah, I'm crazy about you. Have you not noticed? Kristoff brushes a lock of hair from my cheek, tucking it behind my ear. I close my eyes and shake my head, looking at his handsome face, his kind eyes, his chiseled jaw, and full sinful lips is too much. He confuses me, excites me, and terrifies me, all at the same time. I can't admit it out loud, but he already has my heart. He won it that first night and solidified his ownership the following morning. Our time apart only confirms what my heart already knows. I'm irrevocably his, mind, body, and soul. Still, I can't help but protest. I'm old enough to be Brooklyn's mother, which means I could almost be your mother. And? Do I seem like I need another mother? No. I shake my head, my fingers rubbing the pendant as some kind of grounding point. You're amazing, perfect, the nicest guy I've ever known. I can't believe you bought me a present on your birthday. He hooks my chin with his fingers and lifts my head. Open your eyes. I do, and I'm immediately lost to him. We were dirt poor when I was a kid. My mom busted her ass 50 to 60 hours a week to keep a roof over our heads. Because of the diner, we were always well-fed, but everything else was tight. Still, she tried to make birthdays special, always going above and beyond. For my eighth birthday, she planned a party. I invited a dozen kids from school, the coolest ones in my class. Two days before the party, I overheard a couple of them talking about how coming to my party would be like attending a celebration at the flea market and there was no way in hell they'd be caught dead in my roach motel of a house. He scoffs, a sad smile on his face. I canceled the party and turned the day of my birth into my own kind of joy. It makes me happy to make someone I care about happy on this day. He keeps going. You think I'm a nice guy? I'm driven to be successful so I can wear a big invisible fuck you sign to my childhood bullies all while using the money they spend in my restaurants to take care of my mother and pamper the woman I love. He slides his hand up the inside of my thigh, reminding me I'm not wearing underwear. I'm not nearly as altruistic as you think, Jane, and I'm no fucking saint. And yeah, I'm younger than you. Get over it. You're the only one, 
and I do mean only one who cares. I like you a lot. I'm pretty sure I'm in love with you. You're all I think about as I get through each day, and not coming home to you the last few nights has killed me. I want to fall asleep with you each night and wake you up every morning, but my schedule sucks for traditional relationships, which is why I haven't bothered calling you at midnight. I was up, I murmur. Now I know that. He grins. I gasp as his fingertip brushes against my pussy. What are you doing? Your staff is outside. Your mother and six guests are in the next room. He wraps his fingers around my inner thigh in a punishing grip, no doubt leaving his mark. You know what you gave me for my birthday? Certainly not panties. How will I ever resist this man? Exactly. You did what I asked without question. You trusted me to take care of you. Where is that trust now? I do trust you. He slides his hand into the back of my hair and pulls, tilting my face up and causing my mouth to drop open. Then be on my arm, Jane. Publicly declare me as yours, because I'm desperate to tell everyone you are mine. Sweet Jesus, how can I say no to that or to him? Okay, I'll get out of my head and enjoy myself tonight with you. Good. He leans forward and licks along my bottom lip before sucking it in between his teeth. I moan right before he plunges his tongue into my mouth, marking, claiming, and possessing me with one kiss. Let's get this dinner over with so we can go home and really celebrate my birthday. How are we going to do that? I place my hand flat against his heart, counting the rapid beats against my palm. I had the chef make me a pan of sticky buns to go. We'll have them with coffee in the morning, but tonight I'm going to celebrate my birthday by drinking my fill between your thighs. I suck in my breath. The things that come out of your mouth when you're turned on, Kristoff. It's one of the many things I love about you. He smiles and nods, receiving my subtext without making me say the three, not so little, words. I know I will say them soon, maybe tonight as I scream out his name in pleasure, but I need to say them in my own time. I love you too. Kristoff kisses my nose and smooths down my skirt before taking my hand. Come on, let's eat, drink, and be merry so we can wrap this evening up and go home. This has been Sugar Sweet Sticky Buns by Cameron Clare. Read for you by Alex Mack and Megan Kelly. Welcome back. Welcome back, lady listeners. Thank you so much to Cameron Claire for being with us this week, coming back to the podcast. She must be a glutton for punishment. You know, I was worried about the, you know, the pee talk on Tuesday's episode, but I was like, she's been on the podcast before. She's got to know how this shit goes, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe she didn't have water sports on her bingo card, but she knew some shit was going to happen. It wasn't on mine either. All right. No, no, right. It wasn't on mine, but here we are. <laughs> Um, up next week is episode 200 with Alexa Riley's Sweet Treats.
I can't wait to have that bitch on. I'm going to talk so much shit. <laughs> <laughs> Join us here next week. Maybe we'll do a live episode. I don't know. I don't know if it'll happen. If I remember, we'll do it. I'll All post right. it up. All right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make say your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me 